Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 2010 Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on an NFL defensive tackle, published author, philanthropist, and mental health advocate, Chris Okoye. How are you, sir? I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. How's your day going? My day's going amazing. Um, just woke up. I'm in the six, you know, catching a nice vibe, you know, so like I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm amped right now. So I'm, I'm ready to hit the ground running with this podcast. Before before we start, you got to show off that sweatshirt. We, you showed me right before the uh, what we got. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, shout out to my guy. I I'll, I'll tag him or something. But basically, um, this brand is called Black Men Are Always Attractive. We just promote. We're just promoting that that positive outlook, good perspective. Let's erase colorism, light skin, dark skin, red bone, yellow bone. Like we all look good, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, let's start with this. What does mental health mean to you, sir? Um, mental health to me is uh, emotional intelligence. Um, so for me, it's like you can't always control what happens to you, but what you can't control is how you respond to it. So I think just practicing um, emotional regulation and learning how to manage your emotions and you know shift your perspective and be vulnerable and things of that sort and going to seek help and figure out exactly what's bothering you and not making these like grand assumptions. I think a lot of times we get a little too opinionated when it comes to mental health when like in reality, like it's a whole field with diagnosis and prescriptions. And um, uh, I just need to have attention to detail about and constantly be learning. You know, the world's always evolving. There's always um, new, new, new things popping up, new disorders, new, new everything. So it's something to stay on top of, but it's really just how you manage and regulate your emotions and kind of like what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's what mental health is to me, emotional intelligence, emotional regulation. What is your uh, relationship with mental health? My relationship with mental health is well, I'm a mental health advocate. Um, but as far as I'm concerned with mental health, um, I actually didn't believe in it uh, for a big chunk of my life. Um, in my community, it's not something that's really like, overly talked about. Or in previous years, it wasn't something that's overly talked about. So my relationship with it is I just became obsessed with self-awareness. Um, certain life experiences happened to me. And I just it just never made sense. Um, I think... I was a guy who lived, you know, the great life. Like I said, I've signed multiple NFL contracts. I, I was like, I've been on TV shows. <laughs> I go viral on TikTok, and I, I still kind of would still be upset sometimes. You know, I, 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 I would get the hot girls. Like I have a, a bomb ass family. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I got yeah. a dope ass family. I get, I, I get baddies. Like you know, I, I live that great. I live that great life, and I would still be upset. You know, I would still be sad. Yeah, I wonder like, like you're like, like what is that? You know what I'm saying? Like I grew, I grew up in the church. You know, like. All that good stuff, like all, all the cliche things that would make someone think you have a quote unquote like perfect life or always be happy. And I had all those things and like I would still like have this like uncurable like sadness at times. Yeah. And so that would be, and, and that kind of made me feel like, okay, like what's going on? And I got like self awareness and like digging deep. And that's when you learn about like triggers, childhood trauma, childhood upbringing, like how these things affect you and things of that sort. So that's what kind of started me like really digging deep into mental health. It's just that, that, that why, why do billionaires commit suicide? Why are some of my teammates that have the most money in these like beautiful families with are married to models? And like, like, why, why are they upset? Why are they, why are they depressed? You know, like that's what kind of, that's kind of got me going and just being intentional about learning about mental health. That's, that's really what started my mental health uh, like journey when it came to like educating myself on it. Was there like one specific thing that happened that you were like, okay, like mental health is real? Can you remember that, or was it just like a collectively thing? See, so uh, mental health being real really hit me my sophomore year of college, right? So, like I said, in my in my community, mental health isn't something that's like super super discussed, but it it's like it, it exists, but it's like the ghost in the room. 
Um, yeah. But I was uh, I was dating this chick, and she was like clinically depressed, and I, I just like I, I couldn't I couldn't understand it because we both both of our lives were like super dope. Like she was like um, a stud athlete, I was a stud athlete. Like we were both like doing really well on and off the field, and like she would just be like like just like completely just like sad like all the time like like nothing would provoke it and then um they opened up to me and i was like oh what is what, what is what is clinical depression i don't under I, I understand it and then like me being like i'm a very studious person so like i'm always trying to like learn in my book i talk about that like i'm like you never know enough like you're never done learning and so i just that was my first like real life like interaction with mental health it's kind of like learning the difference between, oh, I'm sad versus like, no, like I'm clinically like depressed. I'm like, yeah, I can't help this. I've, yeah. I have a, I have a freaking chemical imbalance. And that, that paradigm shift was my like first, my like first intro into like mental health. Fantastic. Do you, uh, do you know any warning signs that you can tell people that, that see someone that is struggling? Like, what would you, what would you tell somebody? Like, what would you look for in somebody that's struggling mental, mentally? Honestly, when it comes to like, what do I look for when someone's struggling mentally? I'm big on communication. I'm big on checking in on my people. So I'm going to ask because, as you know, like high functioning uh, depression is real. Yeah. So like, you know, like you know, in some of our best moments, we've stood our tallest. You know, like I've I've accomplished some of my biggest goals while not necessarily being in the best headspace. I, th- I think my grandfather was one of the uh, closest people to me. And, I'm, and he like he died like a couple a couple weeks before I signed my first NFL contract. If I'm doing these great grand things, yeah, I'm still doubling, still struggling with a, a sadness or depression like in the midst of that. So when it comes to like how do I gauge if someone's depressed, I'm big on like y'all. I, I, I like to vocalize and check in on my people. Yo, you good? How are you doing? So I create relationships and bonds where communication is normalized. So like yo, like yo, you good? How's your energy? How are you feeling? Yeah, because you know, like a, a person, you know, like like personality types are also different. You know, everyone has a different attachment style. Like, for example, if someone has an avoidant attachment style, like you're not going to know if they're depressed. They don't want to communicate their emotions. Person has an anxious attachment style, they may freaking start acting irrational randomly. You know, you, you don't you don't know that the person with the more secure attachment, they're going to be like, "Yo, like, hey, this is bothering me. I don't like this." So I don't like to assume anxiety and depression. Like, so I'm not a doctor. I. I you notice how like modern day people like think they have like the intellectual prowess to diagnose people with narcissism. Like it's like like people think they can just diagnose people with these like psychological things. I'm like, dude, no, like these are clinical, these are clinical clinical things. Like you have to have a degree, you have to have knowledge, you have to have to sit down and counsel this person. So when it comes to mental health, I'm not diagnosing anyone. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna ask you, like, yo, are you good? Like, how's your energy? Like, is everything okay? Did you get laid off? Um you know, did your, did your man, are you going something at home? Like now I'm big on communicating. I'm like, um, there was a, my mom, you said to me, when you assume you make an ass out of you. So I'm yeah. never, you know what I'm saying? Like, or was that my mom said, said to me, but I think it was from a uh, poetic justice. I think Janet Jackson said that Tupac or some shit like that. So, um, no, for me, like I'm never, I'm never assuming when it comes to mental health. Like I, hopefully I can create a safe enough space where we can just talk about what's going on. Yeah. You always got to check up on the homies. You know what I mean? Oh, facts, bro. Like, it's a lot easier than people think. I think people make it this like long, daunting task. People make it this like super long, daunting task when in reality, like, when you be like, yo, like, how's your energy? That's yeah. my favorite thing. I text Leo, like, how's your energy? I'm going to start using that myself. Yeah. And, um, and, 
It is. Um, I use I use that a lot to the assume you make an ass out of you and me. That's that's a great one. Yeah, now it's a major fact. Um, so you've been in and out of the NFL playing for teams like the Bengals and Chargers. You put in such hard work, but how is it when you when you're getting cut? Like, how do you keep going and and still pushing? Um. So I'm how I when I get how many how many times have I been released? I've been released like two three times. So for me, I'm so like I'm so goal oriented. I'm so process driven to where it's like I'm always like like what's next, you know. And I'm so I practice mindfulness. So like I just kind of always know I'm like very strong in my faith. So I always know like there's going to be something greater later. So like I just have like very positive expectations. So when I get released, I know I'm going to be on another team. Like I, I've never not been on a team. Every single year I've been on a team. You know, every single year I've got paid to do what I love. So when I get released, like. Like I, I already knew, you know what I'm saying? My faith is that strong, but through my four years of being a professional, I've always been on a team. So I just know like, okay, if I get cut, um, just keep doing what you're doing. This particular path wasn't for you or this team wasn't for you. You're going to be on another one. And so like, I just knew that when I was 21 years old and I signed my first deal, I just kind of always do like, okay, part of this, part of this job is getting released. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if it happens, dang, this, that sucks. But I know I'm going to be on another team. So it's like, I never really like, I never really got like like too down on myself because I just always could like like see like see what's the end of the tunnel. I uh, I saw that you initially when you were gonna get into the NFL you wanted to play for the Carolina Panthers, but I think you should come up to the Patriots soon. I'll, I'll try to talk to B- uh, Bill Belichick and have you get signed up here because that'd be fantastic. Oh yeah, throwing a, throwing throwing a good word, man. <laughs> I'd have extreme gratitude for that. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. Where do you get your positivity from, man? It's like I, I talked to you before this, and I, I, you just uh, um, bring off such a great energy yourself. So, where do I get my positivity from, man? That's a good question. Um, who I like, like yeah, my family. I have a family that's like super, super juiced up and extra. Like I come from like an extra ass family. Like, like my family, like good times, bad times, decent times. Like my family's active stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I come from a family of like three churches, you know what I'm saying? Like three churches, multiple athletes, like a uh, wide range of careers. And like, we're, I have a very like supportive family, like whether like I'm going to the NFL, my cousin's being a lawyer or like someone's doing something like that's like not as significant. Like it's that it's the same energy. So I have a high energy family. So that's where I get my positivity from. Like my family is like super high energy. I work out a lot. I think that helps too. Like I, I, I work out a ton. I take pre-workout. I have ADHD, so that kind of makes me like super. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm always like, I'm very, very intentional with ingesting positivity into myself. Like I wake up in the morning, uh, I like repeat my affirmations fifty times every morning. Uh, read, put on some Gary V, turn up, put on some Eric Thomas, turn up, put on some Mike Keys, turn up, put on the Minister, turn up. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very, very intentional with positivity. So like, on top of having a family that's like super high energy, high effort, you know. I also just ingest positivity into my mind every day and all throughout the day. So it just kind of keeps me like, yo, like, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's yeah. up? You know what I'm saying? Like, that. that's my I'm just very, very intentional about being positive because positivity and negativity are a choice. You know, you get to pick one. So it's like, I just, I just, I just try. I'm not perfect, but I try to choose positivity. You know what I'm saying? Optimism or pessimism. You know what I'm saying? That's just, that. that's why I'm like kind of positive all the time. Yeah, we'll get into the book a little bit later, but you have a great thing about the uh, half glass. Is it half empty, half full? And I, I like that um, that part of the book. Oh, yeah. We'll get into Respect that. It, but baby. 
Yep. And uh, to talk about a little bit about this too, back to the NFL, I talked to uh, Doug Middleton who played for the Panthers and he said that he dealt with a lot of like mental issues, like on the field. Did that ever happen to you? Cause he had to deal with like negativity from like coaches and stuff. And it just like kind of beat him down a little bit. Did you ever have to end anything like that? Honestly, um, I, like I, said, I had such a strong support system in my life. So like, I just kind of like, I just kind of always understood adversity and I went to a division two school. So I went, I went D2 to the league. So like my expectations, um, like I said, I'm not entitled. Like, so my expectations are a lot different. I think a lot of people get offended because they're unhumble and they're entitled. And so because I lead with humility, I lead with kindness. Um, I lead with understanding. I, I, I lead with that humility. Um, I don't really get that disappointed. So it's like, if someone's, if I have a coach or someone's talking to me in a way that may offend someone who's like a first round pick or like a, or like a starter at Bama, like I, the Bible says, you know, seek not offense. So like, I just don't seek offense. So if I'm talking to you. Uh, it's easy for me not to get offended because I'm not looking for it. Like I'm, I'm so humble to where I'm just like, Oh, like, like I appreciate you. Like if it's constructive criticism or maybe if your voice tone isn't like, ideal or I mean, obviously if you call me like a, a fucking idiot we're gonna have an issue but like you know what i'm saying but if it's just like like your voice tone based upon where you're from or, or or you know like however you coach or you know like your prowess like no i'm not gonna trip you know i'm gonna leave with humility and sit back and learn so like no i don't i haven't really faced too many interactions where i'm like oh i can't believe they're talking to me like that from a football perspective i've never um i've had pretty chill coaches like all my coaches have been like older older guys they've yeah. always like been been in rooms full of vets you know and so yeah, I just kind of the vibe has always been um, vibes have always been pretty good. Fantastic. Now that we're talking about entitlement, let's actually jump into your book real quick. Extreme gratitude leads to happiness. What can people first expect from that book? Um, so the the main the main goal, like the like the psychological goal for my book is how to ease anxiety and depression through mindfulness, right? Being present and being thankful for what you have in your current space. But also extreme gratitude teaches you how to leverage and use what you already have before asking for more. I think so many people are like, oh, I need this. Like, oh, I need that. Yeah. Oh, I need I, I need 4,000 followers. Why do you need 4,000 followers? You treat your 400 followers like shit. You know what I mean? Like, you don't engage with your four followers. Why do you want 4,000? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, someone gives you 40 bucks and you go and blow it on freaking uh, – mcdonald's and crack or dope or i don't know I don't, hopefully you don't spend on crack <laughs> you take 40 dollars and you don't spend it on nonsense so why would, why would god give you forty thousand? you know like, like the book is really like you know be faithful over a few whatever you do with a little bit you're going to do it with a lot and i think a lot of people just like tell themselves that lie oh once i get this i'm going to be this once I do this, I'm going to be this. Once I get this title, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Dude, bullshit. You, you are who you are. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's that's like the real strong premise of the book. So, where does entitlement come from and why does it happen to us? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Um, entitlement comes from holding someone else more accountable to your wants and needs than you hold yourself. Okay. And why does it happen like, to us? Why does I think I think entitlement happens to us because we want to we want we want to shift the blame you know it's see when you when you when you're entitled you can say like I don't have to do this for myself because they have to do it and that's why I think me personally my personal theory is I think one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, causes of, of anxiety and depression is entitlement because when you put the ball in someone else's court when you say this isn't going to happen for me unless they do it 
you put yourself in a position to get fucked. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you put yourself in a very, 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 very vulnerable space. You know, like you're if you're in a relationship with someone and you feel entitled that they do such and such and such and such, unless it's gonna kill your mood, well, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that's what we forget. It's like you're 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 like entitled, bro. Like, like it only hurts you. Like, if you feel entitled to my resources, right? Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, the life of an athlete. So it's like, you feel entitled to my resources. Like, if I'm dating a chick, right? She's like, oh, like, he plays football, so he's supposed to do such X, Y, and Z. I don't, like, unless you communicate your expectations, I don't know. But in your head, you feel entitled, so when I don't do it, like, now you're depressed. Like, no, I can't believe this. Like, oh, how could it be? Like, you know, or like, a, the person feels entitled to playing time, or the person feels entitled to a promotion, although, like, there are, they're doing their job as regular as possible. So entitlement where you shift, you shift the accountability. Whenever you shift accountability, you're in a very, 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 very vulnerable spot. Because when you don't have accountability, you don't have the power to shift dynamics of what's going to happen to you. And when you can't control what's going to happen to you, you're like you're you're just you're wide open for anything. Now, this is a big one when it comes to mental health, is toxic positivity. What can you tell me about that? I think toxic positivity is delusion. I think toxic positivity, um, is insecurities. I think toxic positivity is just uh, very, very unempathetic. Um, I think toxic positivity is just like, it's very, what's what I'm looking for? It's very, uh, it's inconsiderate. You know what I'm saying? I think toxic positivity is like, if you see someone going through something, don't, in, don't invalidate their experiences. I think for me, toxic positivity is invalidating other people's feelings and validating other people's realities. That's toxic positivity to me. It's like, yeah, like, yo, there is a certain level of like, yo, like, let's be positive. Let's focus on the good. But if someone literally just haven't had something extremely severe and tragic happen to them, you don't ignore their experiences. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't tell them to suppress themselves. That's what toxic positivity is, toxic positivity is to me. Like, I don't even think toxic positivity, like, like, we all know the term toxic positivity. But I really think a person like that, like, you're just like, you're just a, a person that's very, 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 very just unkind, unempathetic. You know what I'm saying? That's just... That's what toxic positivity is. Right. I don't want to give the whole book away, but what how important is accountability? I think I think accountability is the biggest factor um in happiness. I, the book is called Extreme Gratitude Leads to Happiness. I may drop another book called Extreme Accountability Leads to Happiness. You know, because accountability is everything. Because it's it's you taking control of what happens to you. It's you taking control of your feelings. That's why I always talk about emotional intelligence right because you can't always control how you feel i mean you can't control how you feel you can't always control what happens to you right but what you can't control is how you articulate those feelings right what you can't control is how you go about vocalizing those feelings right like we all know that one person like they had a bad day but we knew they had a bad day they, they're on bad vibes it's fuck everybody you know what i'm saying like you know they they, they, they have bad vibes in my me and my older brother, like, you know, like, we're super, super close. And we have this, like, saying, when a person, they're just, like, being, like, a, a bad vibe, we're, like, we look at each other, and we're, like, any excuse. Like, any excuse to be on bad vibes. Like, like why do you just want to be on bad vibes? <laughs> uh, like, the shit, the shit's egregious, man. Like, no, like, um, no, I, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very anti that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not. Like, no, like, 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 let's look for reasons to be kind. You know what I'm saying? Let's look for reasons to be empathetic. Let's, let's look for reasons to practice that kind candor. Instead of like looking for reasons like, oh, I, I want to be negative. I want to yeah. be an asshole. So like, let me let me just find this little this little thorn in my hip. So now I have an excuse to be on bad vibes. Like, no, I'm not with that. It's weird. Yeah. What um? Do you think uh, we talked about it briefly? But how important is self awareness? Dude, self awareness is the most it's the most critical thing. I don't yeah. I don't I don't think you can do anything until you're self aware. 
Because, like, you know, self-awareness is, like, understanding, like, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses, these are my likes, these are my dislikes. Okay, like, these are my triggers. I think a lot of people go through things because they're very unaware of their triggers. People are actually very unaware of their likes. People are very, not their likes, yeah, their wants and their needs. We live in a world where social media kind of, like, takes over people's brains and, and makes them think that they want things that they want that they don't want. So when you're not self-aware, you just genuinely don't know what you want. And when you genuinely don't know, don't know what you want, if you're genuinely unaware of your needs, you're going to be unhappy because you're going to keep doing things that you think lead to happiness and they just don't. So that self-awareness piece is ridiculously critical. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, huh? Ignorance is very bliss. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put in the hard work when it comes to that. And to make yourself better, you do have to put in the hard work. And I think people forget that when it comes to any mental health, like trying to get help, trying to make yourself better. So like having self-awareness is a, is a great first step for anybody. Honestly, I wouldn't even say it's the first step. Self-awareness is a lifelong journey, bro. Like, self-awareness is the real healing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, think, like, I don't know if you've been in therapy, but therapy is really just a self-awareness session. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like you know, you know, we live in this world of, like, the, the fake healing, right? Like, oh, uh, I'm eating avocado toast, and, you know, I'm drinking my greens, and I'm posting nice memes. Like, no. You got to do that real work, you know? And, and all, like, that's why like, I, I advocate for therapy, but I do think there are other ways to assess yourself. You know, like we live, there's a ton of different like assessment tests. You have your attachment scores, your love language, um, you know, your, your personality charts, even like, you know, zodiac signs. There's, there's a plethora of different methods to become more self-aware and you've got to actually do that inner work to get there. I love it. I absolutely love that point of view. Um, let's switch it up a little bit. Uh, it's February, which is also Black History Month. What does this month mean to you? So for me, um, it's just like every other day, personally, um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a person that, um, you know, like reps, my reps, my blackness, you know what I'm saying? Year round, you know, I'm all, I'm always adding value to my people when people are adding value to me. Uh, I'm, like, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black Muslim in the nation of Islam. So it's like, um, year round, you know, I'm learning about myself, you know, the original, the original man, our existence that pride, that self-love, that love of self. I'm on that year round, but I do think it's cool. If you're a, if you're a person that doesn't know much, yeah, it does kind of put the ball in your court to be a little more intentional with learning more this year. So it's definitely, that's definitely dope. Cause there are some people who generally may be unaware of certain things. So this month does kind of spotlight that and give them the opportunity to learn more. So in that I, aspect, I think it's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I uh, interviewed uh, Miss Massachusetts, who is the first Muslim to win that title. And so I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam. Yep. Yep. There it is. I knew that. <laughs> I, le- I love learning stuff. And that was one of the ones I learned. I think that's a great. So what, is that, what does that mean exactly for people that don't know? So, um, so, so honestly, so where it comes from, I think a lot of people think it's like a Muslim thing. Um, Assalamu alaikum uh, isn't like a Muslim thing. You know, when you read the Bible, it's actually how it's how Jesus always greets people. All it means is, yo, like, may peace peace be unto you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Then um, you say, well, alaikum salam, that's peace be unto you as well. Um, so, like, that was, uh, so in the Bible, it speaks about, like, when the Bible, we read it, and it's in its uh, original tongue, in, in Aramaic Hebrew, Jesus would always greet the prophets and greet people by saying, shalakim shalom. And that was literally like, yo, like, I greet you in peace. You know what I'm saying? And you, hey, I, I got peace for you too, my guy. So it just sets the table for good vibes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it just sounds badass too when you say it. Oh, no, it sounds fired. You know, if, <laughs> if I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Oh, hey, what's up? I say, hey, man, like your salon. The vibes are different. Yeah. Uh, 
I think a tough topic to to bring up sometimes, which it shouldn't be. I think it it should be easier for people to talk about to end the stigma. But you've probably dealt with racism. I think that's pretty obvious uh, from a black oh, person yeah. standpoint. How does racism affect mental health? Racism um, affects mental health. I think uh, the the most massive component of racism is the psychological piece. And racism can affect your mental health, especially as a person of color or a black person, is because it can constantly make you question your self-worth and make you feel not good enough because something that you can't control. Like racism steals accountability from people of color because it puts you in a situation to where like you just don't feel good enough. You don't feel worthy um, because you're literally being, you know, your experiences are way less different than people that are of a fairer skin or primarily white people. And so when you're, when you're constantly being disenfranchised, you're constantly being neglected. You're constantly, you know, being shown a, a lack of love from society. You're constantly being shown negative images of yourself. You're constantly being sold negative stereotypes. Unless you have a, a family that has those like deep grassroots, um, it can really make you feel less than, you know, to make you feel not good enough. So that that's a from a mental health standpoint, you know, that's 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 how racism affects mental health. It makes you still not good enough, not worthy, it makes you not love yourself because how can I love myself if society doesn't love me? Like why are fucking people racist? You know what I mean? Which yeah. Is, it's unbelievable. Um, what can people do more directly white people to help curb racism? Because um, I feel like that's, it, it, I don't know why, but I feel like it's awkward for white people to bring up like race. Why is that you think? Um, I think the way white people can uh, help with racism, it's, it's really education. Uh, I think I, I think I think racism is more of a crime of omission than commission. So a lot of white people are generally unaware um, of how you know black people have contributed to society. Majority of the the biggest achievements remain by, by black people. The, the the first people here are black people. You know, like I think a lot of people just view the existence of black people from slavery and that's actually like a very small one percentile of our experiences you know we are the kings and queens we are the original people we are the maker the owners of pyramid of planet earth so when you educate white people on who black people really are you know what i'm saying um the respect of what changes you know um, racism is taught you know what i'm saying it's not you're not you're not born racist so if the school systems just just taught things differently and we can eliminate you know white supremacy and, and black inf- and black inferiority from out of the school system, how things are taught, that would be the biggest thing uh, for white or for white people. It's like that that self education piece. Okay, like like let me learn. You know, let me be more culturally sensitive and things of that sort. We're all the same color when the lights go out. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know I'm saying. So it's like when people when people um, understand that um, you know racism is it's, it's it's a mental thing. It's more of a mental prowess, a psychological thing. So, yeah. we're, we're just all people you know what i mean it doesn't it shouldn't matter about like color race um religion none of about, about that and i'm i'm a big proponent on that i'm glad that we got to talk about this oh yeah most of uh so do you believe in the black culture handles mental health a little bit different i know we talked about this real briefly but uh research indicates that blacks and african americans believe that mild depression or anxiety would be considered quote unquote crazy in their social circles Many believe that discussions about mental illness would not be appropriate, even among family. And that was from the Mental Health America. Um, what do you think about that? Do you believe that it's handled a different way in the black community? Oh, most definitely. I think that's what, you know, um, our our lack of kind of understanding and believing and being exposed to mental health is why, you know, like why we don't. I don't I don't think black people don't believe in mental health. 
I think we're not exposed to it and we're not taught about it. You know what I'm saying? So that that that's my first answer for that. And and secondly, that's why I became a mental health advocate. You know, because if I I'm more of like a um people view me as the cultivation of like masculinity or like like toughness or like success. So if I can come in, I'm like, yo, like emotional intelligence, be vulnerable, it's okay to not be okay, express yourself, go to therapy, journal. Um, it brings more awareness, you know. So I think just the just the right people, and I think that's why I talk so much about emotional regulation. It's because a lot of times when people call someone crazy, they're really saying this person just doesn't know how to regulate their emotions. So mm-hmm. I, I think the way people aren't taught the most healthiest way to handle um, their depression or to handle their sadness or to handle the ups and downs of life. And so to a person that's not just like overly just warped in mental health knowledge, they're going to be like, yo, like you, you are acting crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because a person with, um, with little to no emotional intelligence, for lack of better words, it may come off as crazy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that, that's being like a realist. I'm big on just realism. So a person that lacks emotional regulation, person that lacks self-control, they're going to be viewed as crazy. And you don't need to be um you don't need to be a mental advocate to know that. So I think that's more so what it what makes it more frowned upon. Because oftentimes when someone hits that wall, they they don't get help. And you know, when a person hits that peak, you know, no, nah, that is that you get to act outlandish. Right. I I learned about this too with uh, some of the black people I've talked to, and it's like it goes down to religion too. Like a lot of the older crowd would say to them, just oh, we'll pray it away. Did you ever get that? Um, we'll pray it away. Like I said, so for me, I didn't, I didn't grow up kind of like in a culture where it was like, oh, um, Bible, 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 church, church, church. My, um, my aunt is an evangelist. Like multiple of my uncles are pastors, uh, went to church my whole entire life, went to a theological school. So I kind of always understood like the in-depth workings of the Bible. So like for me, prayer is action. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the whole, oh, just pray it away. Now, I was always taught there has to be more like uh, intention. You have to be very, very intentional about how you do things. Faith about works is dead. So prayer without a plan doesn't matter. You know, if you're praying, but you're not working, you're not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? If you're praying, but you're not focused, you're not doing anything. If you're praying, but you're not believing, you know, you're wasting your time. So for me, uh, the whole like, oh, just pray it away. I was never taught that. That was never like a, a reality when I was growing up. It was like, are you going to work? You know, scriptures like faith without works is dead. It's always preached in my household. So like I was never just like, oh, like I was I was never taught that. Like, oh, just pray, you're gonna get yeah. what you want. Oh, just pray. No, nah, it was like, yo, we're gonna pray, but you're gonna work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna Put the work, work in. You know what I'm saying? You praying, you're not working, you ain't doing shit. Your positivity is contagious, my friend. Why do you want to help people? Dude, I want to help people because I want to be like the prophets, you know what I'm saying? Like when I read when I read the Bible, I read the Quran. Like I want to be like those guys, like people that just because if you when you study the prophets, bro, like the prophets are the most popular, most important people across across every race, across every religion. It's because they were the only people that just added value and were good people with no expectations of it in return. The most famous person to ever live, right? The best person to ever live is Jesus, and all he did was add value to people, bless people with like wanting nothing in return. So when we think about the people that are like the most the most important, right? We think about you know the we think about like Jesus, we think about Obama, we think about Buddha, we think about Muhammad, we think about all these great people. They are people that just pour into people 
and weren't like openly trying to get shit back from me. Yeah. So when I, the people I look up to were just value adders. And so that, that's what made me like, okay, like, yo, like I'm going to add value to people. Like I'm going to help. And I think like with social media, I have a younger, I, have a, I, I deal with a lot of younger people. I think social media, um, as you know, like depression, anxiety, and suicide are the highest of all times right now. Mm-hmm. So it's like seeing that cause of social media, um, really made me feel like, okay, like this is something that we can tap on. Like, this is, you know, like, the market dic- dictates value. And right now, bro, a lot of people are just struggling and having those like silent wars that no one sees. And so that's what really made me want to tap in and, um, you know, advocate for that. Social media is funny because there's a lot of negativity on it, but like you can put the positivity out there, but you got to look for it, but you got to be careful on social media, especially when people are trying to diagnose, like there'll be like kids on TikTok doing oh, dances and be like, God. I got ADHD. And it's like, you're not helping the cause right now. Bro, I told you, like, that's, honestly, I, w- I would argue, like, that's my biggest pet peeve of modern-day people, bro. It's like, you barely passed intro to psych. You may not have even went to college. You went to college, and you got a C in your in your freshman psychology class. Yep. You don't read. You don't study. Stop diagnosing people. Like, I swear, like, bro, like, like that's the one thing that I, that I hate the most about society is people that think they have the intellectual prowess to diagnose people with depression, with anxiety, with narcissism. Like, like, relax. Yeah. Have a conversation. Catch a vibe. Add value to a person. Create a safe space where they can be vulnerable. Don't diagnose people with shit. Like, like, like bro, like, people that are not educated, like, you have no certifications. You don't even have the, de- the, the, the degree of intelligence. You have not studied but because you went on Google or you saw a TikTok or Instagram post and you associated one trait, one trait of a particular diagnosis, bro, you think you can diagnose people, bro, that pisses me off. Like, that's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. That's my big, like, bro, like, stop diagnosing people because confirmation bias is real. But when you label people, they just take on these roles, man. That's just, oh, it's irritating. I don't like that. Yeah, that's what uh, my biggest pet peeve is, too. It's no, like, I, always, I always say they, like, they were supposed to break the stigma but like they're putting the pieces back together and i'm like no you, you gotta break the stigma not like bring it back like that's what yeah, no, it, yeah. It, oh my god it, yeah it's bad it's bad um yeah let's finish up a little bit uh defensive uh linemen are pretty big how are you at lacrosse were you just steamrolling people over or what oh yeah i got active so um my um <laughs> actually i played for like uh a very top program like number two in the state and i was i was getting active so i had I had this senior i'm not gonna say his name but i was a freshman i met a senior who was like all american he was an absolute beast and i was already, I was already kind of nationally athletic but this all american senior had like a a, a pinched head and so it's like an illegal lacrosse stick. So I thought he was like so filthy because he would be just dangling, 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 and the ball would never come out. And so I kind of got close to him, you know, we built a relationship and he gave it to me. <laughs> like, and so like I just kind of got to skip all the steps. And I was just freaking, I was just hitting and rolling and bowling. And I had good feet. So I played defense, played long stick midi. And it was, um, it was a really good. I love playing lacrosse. It allowed me to kind of create my reality and kind of like um, my goal with the stigma because me playing lacrosse obviously is very, very, very different. Kind of go like defies you know the stereotypes of what I'm supposed to be doing. So now I had a college coach. He always called me Mister An- Mister Anti-Establishment. You know, if everyone's doing it, like I'm not doing it. That's like because awesome. <laughs> you didn't pick up football until later in life. Like you weren't playing like peewees. Yeah. 
No, I was so I, I was too heavy. I was too heavy. And I didn't want to. So like, no, I, 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 I would, I would argue. I didn't really start playing. I was like a junior in high school. <laughs> I feel like sacks are a great feeling, but how good is the feeling of it when you pancake somebody? Oh, that's awesome. Just I mean, I may have seen you a clip of that ad. ad, ad me. I love. I love. It was a clip versus um. I was playing the Buffalo. I was playing the Buffalo Bills, and like I freaking like absolutely just like just demolish the guard into uh to Nathan Peterman and now it's a great clip I'll send to you but and I feel it feels it feels really really good because football allows you to like beat the hell out of a man legally. Yep. Like if I, if I go like right now if I go and slam someone right if I go and take someone and drive them five yards into the ground look them in their eyes I go to jail for a very long time. Yep. Football allows me to literally just beat the living crap out of someone all, halfway to death and it's legal. Yeah, it's very demasculating when you're trying to push this guy back and you just lay right on your back and steamroll. I I always thought, I'm like, that's going to be a great feeling. It's going to be up there with the sack. Oh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, So where can people get the book? Um, So extremegratitude.net. Also, link in bio. Go to my Instagram, Chris Coy Jr. Um, You'll see me there, um, verified account. Also, it's on Amazon. Go on Amazon, type in Extreme Gratitude, Happiness. yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to get to. So I just go to my Instagram at Chris Coy Jr. Link in bio there. Um, Twitter Chris underscore Primetime. Uh, TikTok Chris Okoye. Uh, links are all there. Um, ExtremeGratitude.net. Then also you can go on Amazon and just type in Extreme Gratitude to Happiness, and boom. Fantastic. Now with your positivity, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What is some words of wisdom that you give somebody that's down and out? Words of wisdom I give someone when they're down and out is be be present. Be present. Um, what you're going through uh, right now, like you, I, I feel you, bro. Like it, it sucks, but we got to get through that. A lot of people just live in their trauma. Like you know, we're, we're not going to live in our trauma. We're going to heal in our trauma. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're not going to just go through it. We're going to grow through it. So I always say, a lot of people like yo, know, like take your time to grieve. Like please don't skip don't skip your grieving process. Don't skip it. Um, feel it, own it, heal from it. Like I think a lot of people like a lot of like um, a lot of I think a lot of things are extended. People go through things a lot longer than they need to. Is because they just live in that trauma. We live in a very trauma focused culture where like trauma is cool. Oh, trauma bonds. Oh, I'm so traumatized. Oh, my toxic trait is this. What's your healthy trait? You know. Like, okay, trauma bond, do you have, what's, your, what's your healthy bond? You know what I'm saying? Like, people always talk about, oh, I'm so trauma. Like, you know, like, you got to hear my, I have, I, have a, I have a cousin who's a lawyer, and when he gets to complaining about people and their trauma, it's like the funniest thing ever. He's like, you dated a person for a month. How did them liking someone else's picture traumatize you? Like, like I, I, I have a cousin, he's a lawyer, so he's like crazy analytical. And when you hear him talk about like mid 12 and like people just being like just overly just traumatized with the most random shit, it'll, oh my, yeah. <laughs> it gives you a great laugh. But no, like, you gotta heal that trauma. Like, like stop complaining, um, you know, solutions over problems. Like, you know, like that, that's more so my thing, but do take the time to grieve, you know, accept those feelings. Yo, this happened to me. I didn't like it. Um, figure out like did this really bother you, or was it really like a trigger or something else? Just do that inner work, and then once you legitimately heal, you can actually just kind of like go on with life. And then the next step is go buy Extreme Gratitude Leads to Happiness, and then boom. Yes. Oh yeah, and then go buy Extreme Gratitude Leads to Happiness. <laughs>
Uh, let's finish with this. Uh, I ask everybody this question. Uh, Chris Okoye gets called out to the arena by himself. What theme song is playing? Oh, I get called out to the arena by myself. What theme song is playing? Man, let me think about that. Yeah. It's a tough question because it's, there's only one answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I want to answer. Um, man, what song do I want to come out to? Teach me how to Dougie. All right. Can you hit, you can hit the Dougie pretty well? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My uh, in high school, my nickname used to be C Smooth because the first part, of the first, like the first lyric of the song is, they'd be like C Smooth. What? Can you teach me how to Dougie? So, like, my, like, I got the, my nickname used to be C Smooth. I love it. I absolutely love it. Let's end it with this. What are three things you're grateful for today, sir? Three things I'm grateful for today. Um, it's my big cousin, Slash's birthday. She's turned 32. Super grateful for that. Um, I'm thankful for a week of just family, fun, and fellowship. And lastly, bro, I'm grateful for life. I woke up this morning. I feel I feel great. I had deodorant. I had toothbrush. You know, was able to, was able to get active. You know, I'm just, just just super happy for those small things. You know, that's what certain graduates about. I think people, when you ask them to thank them for it, they think it has to be like something massive. Like, oh, I just got a new Tesla. Oh, I just got a new house. Like, no, <laughs> no, fuck that. I woke up this morning, you know? I get to see my beautiful family's face. I'm super amped. Like, like no one, no one died. No one that I love died today. Yep, it's the little things in life. Uh, yeah, the little things can be the big things too, though. You know what I'm saying? Because like, 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 really, like, like in my book, in my book, I talk about what are little things, right? Because like you say, waking up, oh, I woke up this morning, or or I had toothpaste to brush my teeth. Is that really a little thing? Because you didn't brush your teeth, your breath was smell like shit, and that's not a little thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm thankful I saw my I saw my wife's face, or I'm thankful I saw my mom, or I'm thankful I saw my cousin. Those aren't little things. Because if you don't see them and they're dead, that's that's catastrophic. You know, oh, I'm thankful I can walk. Oh, it's not a little thing because if you lose your leg and you're a paraplegic in your wheelchair, that's that's not a little thing. You know, yeah. I, in, my, in my book, I talk heavily about that. So it's like, Bro, everything's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no big blessing. There's no little blessing. It's like no one owes you anything. That's entitlement. I, even the whole idea of uh, big things and little things, bro, that's entitlement. Because like no one owes you shit. So yeah. it's like, bro, be, th- be thankful for everything. Be faithful over a few. I love that. Great way to end this interview, sir. Chris Okoye, I thank you so much for coming on 2010 Minutes. This has been a blast. Absolutely, man. I, I, I had a blast on here. I'm su- super excited, man. This is a great episode. Thank you so much. And that's another episode of 2010 Minutes. Let's break the stigma by cracking a smile. I will see you soon. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.